We've got Matt DeLugos on today's episode of Athlete Stories. Um, we won't do too much of an, uh, a formal introduction. We'll get into everything about Maddie throughout the show. But also, if you're tuning in and you don't know who the third person is, this is Alex Roca. He's our uh, producer, director, graphic designer, creative director. Um, we were just talking about the the uh, the things that we did or didn't do as kids that we kind of regret now in terms of fashion, not like uh, all the other stuff. Um mm. Soroka had uh, dyed uh, tips, blonde tips. He wore big graphic tees. Maddie, did you have, I mean, you have blonde hair. Did you dye your tips brown? No, I never dyed my hair. Um, but I went through a phase of having like a pretty, uh, pretty tight buzz cut. I'm talking like a one or a two guard all the way around. Um, and so I looked like, I had these when I, especially when I was younger, I had these big old ears that I didn't grow into yet. So I would just walk around kind of looking, looking like a bit of a monkey with my head shaved, big old ears. So definitely keeping the hair. And that's why I think I, I like to have a little bit of flow now. Cause I'm like, I don't like the way that that looks. I'm never going to let that happen again. <laughs> I agree with you, man. Um, that's funny. You had six, four ears long before you were six, four. Is that what you're saying? well before i was six four dude i didn't hit a growth spurt until i was like a sophomore in high school that's like i, I mean was, like, i can tall. empathize with that yeah like i was like taller like maybe like five i don't know seven five eight five nine and then i jumped like four or five inches in high school it was obviously painful on the knees but yeah no same like uh mine is same but different my junior year I was five one going into my junior year, um, and I grew, uh, I think, six inches. I've grown like an inch and a half since since then. But and like you feel it in your hips and your knees, like throughout that year, it's like legitimate growing. Yeah. Like, my friggin' hips hurt. Like, um, but I was like, thank you God oh, that my hips hurt because I did yeah. not want to be five one my whole life. <laughs> um, and, that was uh, a little short. Not there's anything wrong with that. Um, for for anyone listening or watching um but hey let's let's dive into the show matt i'll just give you a little bit of uh background you know obviously um it's funny because matt's my roommate and and i'm telling him about the show but uh the thing about athlete stories that we think me and soroka think is different is that obviously we're going to talk about crossfit you're a professional crossfit athlete um a lot of what your life revolves around currently is crossfit but I like to dig into the life stories of, of these athletes that we bring on, kind of find some funny uh, stories from childhood, adolescence, youth, and a bunch of random fun questions we, we think are fun. Um, and before we get into all that, um, got to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Alex, are you, are you prepared for this? Cool. I'm going to dive right in. Our first sponsor is Wadproof Bionic. Wadproof Bionic is a unique new platform that Wadproof came out with. Um, that measures your mobility and actually creates an individualized mobility program based on your initial score. Wadproof Bionic is available for a free week trial at the link in our bio. The show is also brought to you by X Endurance. X Endurance is one of the sports supplements that I take personally. Um, it's an approved by Informed Sport. It's taken by some of your favorite athletes in the CrossFit industry. And if you are a tested athlete, it's one of them that I would recommend. So check them out in the link as well. Back to the show. Um, Sroka, I'm going to dive in here. Um, that doesn't mean you have to go, but uh, 
see you see you bro um anyways uh yeah for the audience funny story not really a story maddie is my roommate he's sitting like at eight yards from me 15 feet not too 20 far feet. we could share a camera there's a washer and dryer like right there and then he's in the room past the washer and dryer anyways matt thanks for being on the show I've wanted to bring you on for some time. I've just been waiting for the right time to strike, a.k.a. waiting for you to get 10K followers. Um, <laughs> um, so, hey, man, uh, if you were going to be a character in any movie, who would you be? Oh, man. Character in any movie? <laughs> I feel like Batman's pretty badass. Or it would be Batman or Thor. I think, Those would be my I think Hiller's taken Batman, so... Uh, all right, fine. Well, has anybody? Are we good on the Marvel characters? Like, have have people started picking those? You can be. Yeah. No, they haven't. We'll we'll go with Thor then. How about that? That's a Thor that's a good one. Um. Well, if you're going to be a Harry Potter character, who would you be? Oh. Who would I want to be? Or where do I fit in the story? <laughs> oh, I mean. I feel like uh, Cedric Diggory is a good, good choice. Although I, I do die in the Goblet yeah. of Fire, but um, solid role though cool. until, until then. Solid yeah. role, yeah. Does his part, kind of what I do. Sacrificial lamb, nothing wrong with that. No, it, I mean, hey, if we're talking about the topic at hand, I'm kind of am a sacrificial lamb. Dude, look at Cedric Diggory. I mean, can we? I just need a turtleneck, and that's me right there. <laughs> <laughs> you have the black shirt on as well. That's great, dude. That's great. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm even rocking the, a little bit of the yellow. Perfect, dude. dude. This is perfect. That's so funny. We, uh, yeah, I'm, I won't get into last night's conversation. Maybe we'll circle back to it. <laughs> um, man, if you were to wrap like your life story up in maybe two to three minutes, um, mm -hmm. what would that sound like? Ooh, quick little overview. Um, I was born and raised in Morgantown, West Virginia, uh, by my loving parents, um, Kelly and Todd, um, who've really done a lot for me as far as kind of getting to where I am today. Um, you know, just instilling really good work, uh, a really good work ethic, um, good values as far as just, you know, how to be a good human, how to, you know, treat others and, um, you know, really live your life in in a serving way at the same time as chasing after your dreams so um yeah like i said i i was born uh in morgantown went to school out there found crossfit whenever i got to college you know started as just kind of a way to get in shape and then ultimately has snowballed into what it is today which like you know people i feel like especially in crossfit people talk about that like they talk about wanting to chase after you know, the dream or they want to chase after being across the games athlete, but, you know, like obviously life gets in the way at some point, but it's been awesome for me to be able to do the things that I need to do to chase this full time. And now I'm kind of seeing the, the fruits of my labor a little bit, you know, like obviously this is just the start, but um, I think it speaks volumes to being consistent over a long period of time and just working hard and, you know, anything that you want can be, can be achieved. I love that. 
I also love how you took a two to three life story and made it an inspirational speech. Um, but I want to dig into that a little bit. You, uh, you know, you and I both, we work like you're not only an athlete, you are a coach. Um, mm -hmm. but we both work in this CrossFit industry. Um, and we get approached, uh, by people that want to go to the games constantly, right? Like, like you're, you're a coach and, and I'm, uh, working more on the business side of things and I'll see these intake forms and it says like what's your goal and it's like go to the crossfit games and almost everybody puts that and there's nothing wrong with that but the likelihood of that is is really so slim and that's not to be um discouraging for like you should still pursue it right like if you want to be the president of the united states the likelihood of that is slim too but you won't do it unless you like pursue it over a long period of time mm -hmm. anyway same thing with the games right and so it's like i say that to say that you started crossfit um what you said when you started college so we're talking about seven years ago uh am i that old i started college whenever i was 18 and i guess i'm coming up on 25 so yeah coming well, up on yeah. seven years you're as old as you feel maddie um no I'm think <laughs> hopefully on my case but uh so that means that you know when you started i don't know if you pursued the games right away but you're six four and historically mm -hmm. crossfit champions um like not CrossFit athletes in general, but CrossFit champions, like games champions are, I think on average five and nine, if you like look historically across the board. So that had to have been somewhat discouraging, but you chose to pursue it anyways. Like what was your mindset like going into that? Or did you address it? Were you like, oh, it's okay. I'm, a, I'm an athlete. I'm a, I'll work hard. Um, that's hard because I really never thought about it. I really never paid attention to how tall I was um the way that movements felt and you know obviously there are movements that i'm not great at and that's okay but i never looked at my height as the issue for them i just accepted that i wasn't great at handstand push-ups or that i wasn't great at ring muscle-ups so i just need to get better and i think the interesting pursuit for a taller bigger athlete is that you don't have to just be good or you can't just be good at a movement. You have to be almost exceptional, whether it is, you know, performing handstand walks or thrusters, like you have to do that at a speed and a cadence and, uh, you know, have to be able to continue to output at such a high level that, you know, compared to somebody shorter than you, it might not be as much effort for them to go through that. So, you know, you're constantly in this pursuit of like, yes, I just did, you know, a pretty quick set of 15 thrusters, but, like I started at the same time as this guy down here and he got off of it before me. So whenever I'm going through that, I'm like, okay, now when I go back to training, now I have to figure out how to get those, you know, to be as fast as this other guy and still be able to go off and do work. So, um, yeah, no, that stuff never really bothered me. It never really got to my head, you know, and I believe that like history is always changing and there's not anything that's saying that a five, nine champion is always going to be the champion. So we'll see. Yeah, what happens. No, I agree with you. They say history favors the bold, right? It's gotta be bold. Um, no, I, you know, I guess that that's how my brain works though. I'm such a pragmatist and I'm like, Oh, well, um, I guess I shouldn't play basketball. <laughs> you know, like I'm five, eight, you know, five, nine, um, on a good day. Yeah. But, uh, so no, it's really cool. And I think like there comes a, with, with any like high level goals, whether it's athletic or entrepreneurial, um, you have to have this 
sort of unreasonable optimism in some ways to break past like that that season, which is a long season of like growth, right? Because in the very beginning, you weren't good at CrossFit because nobody's good day one. And so like right. if you were to be like, oh, I'm 6'4", I'm just not going to do this thing. Then you wouldn't be where you are. So it's like it takes like a, a season of unreasonability of like I can do that. Where if you were to talk mm-hmm. to like analysts or like a like a professional CrossFit coach at the time, they'd be like, Matt, I, I know you're athletic, but like the likelihood is slim. But you were like, no, I'm just going to mm-hmm. do it anyways. And here you are, extremely good at the sport, um, one of the best, a couple event wins like across the world, um, and uh, you know, knocking on the door of of the cross games and and ultimately being one of the fittest on earth. And so uh, I think, I think that's a good lesson for other people. It's like even people like me, especially that are super practical, like to a fault where it's like early on, it's like, well, let me just try this anyways, even though on paper, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, let me, let me just get get to work, not uh, get better. Let me grow in in these things and then decide later on, like a couple of years down the road, if it's truly something like that's realistic because I still have a whole lot of growth um, to pursue. So I like yeah. that. Um, so you said you're from Morgantown, West Virginia, mm-hmm. and you born and raised there. Did you go to college there? Yeah. So Morgantown has a college university on our in our town. It's a really weird setup. So everything in Morgantown is um, there's it's just hills every single like everywhere. There's not really much flat space everything you're going up down around mountain or around the hill or whatever it is so our school is like built into like obviously into the hills but then into our city so morgantown is kind of like at the center and then we've got like uh uh, high street and then we've got or yeah and then we've we've just got like a ton of different little areas of morgantown it's it's an interesting uh place for sure but yeah so i was born there um i went to you know both middle and high school there and then i went to wvu for school lived there for a year after i graduated and then made my way out here awesome and you so you've been yeah. in vegas uh two years or like uh, a year not and quite half? a year and a half yep awesome and what's the story there what brought you to vegas uh i mean well really it was ashley Kotler. We so I was working with Justin for a while, and he was like, "Hey, you know, you should come out and do this camp with us. Like, we're we're putting together a trial run for Perry, right? As she's getting ready for the stage two of the 2020 games." So I came out here. I got to train with Bethany and Perry and Danielle, and you know, the whole other gambit of athletes that were out here. Ryan Elrod was still kicking around, so that was really cool. So I trained out here, and like the whole time I was out here, Ashley was you know, kind of just chirping about like, oh, when are you going to move? When are you going to move? Kind of like she does to a lot of people. So <laughs> after, after, after she had, she had asked me a couple of times and kind of planted the seed. I was thinking about it, you know, the whole week, just like figuring out if it would be realistic or not. And then got back on the plane, like checked everything in, you know, sat down in my seat and kind of had like a moment to breathe and relax. And within the first five minutes, I was like, yep, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to pull the trigger. Like, I'm going to talk to whoever I need to when I get back. But I'm going to move out here and just push the chips all in and kind of see where it goes from there. So, Love it. How different would you say Vegas is from Morgantown? Uh, 
million percent different. It is a complete 180. Um, Morgantown has about 30,000 people. So, you know, population alone is totally crazy. Like, I'm sure I see 30,000 people just like driving down the freeway. But, yeah. you know, the the pace of life is a little bit similar. Um, like there are times where it gets fast here, you know, and especially going down on the strip and things like that. But, you know, you know this, like where we live is pretty residential. It's pretty laid back. Like you can go to the grocery store and you can go to Target as quickly as you need to and not really deal with any kind of traffic, any kind of tourists and stuff. But West Virginia is definitely a lot slower. Um, but, and, you know, obviously I missed some things about home, but it's all good. I like it out here. Awesome. What's your earliest memory in life? Oh, my earliest memory? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Man, I remember one story. I don't remember exactly how young I was, but my dad used to tell us this story about having a talking rabbit as a friend that he found in the woods like he had this whole elaborate story about how one day he got lost out in the woods behind his behind his house my grandparents house and he was walking and got lost and found this talking rabbit and this talking rabbit like led him home and then he invited the talking rabbit in for burgers and it was just this whole story and i believed it for the long like you know for for a while and I remember we were on vacation one time and we were like super hyped up. It was like day two that we were there and we were asking him to tell us the story. And he was like, kind of forgetting it. He was like missing parts and saying it wrong. We were like, wait, no, didn't you say this? And he's like, I don't know. I made that up. And I was like, dad, we all believed. Like me and both of my sisters, we, both, we all believed it for, for a while. How old were um, you when, when you finally found out that it wasn't true? I think I had like just turned like 18. Like this was like pretty re no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, bro. I mean, I was probably like, I don't know, like seven or eight years old. Like I had believed it for a minute. Like it was like, had I, had he continued, I probably would have like told my friends and they'd been like, Matt, do you think that's real or, um, but it was like right at that break, right at that young age. So that's a young memory. Yeah. Like, were, did you think that this bunny was related to the Easter rabbit? Like, was there other questions around it? Like, well, I'm pretty sure he called it like, I'm pretty sure he called it Peter, the rabbit. Like, um, Peter rabbit. Yeah, and so again, had I been a little bit older, I would have maybe put that together. But nope, in my head, that he was, he had a best friend that was a talking rabbit. He kind of created his own hybrid Peter rabbit story. That's awesome. Where? Yeah. Um, that's incredible. Back then, uh, where did you guys go for vacation? Like Myrtle Beach, Morgan. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Yeah. You ever been? Uh, no, I've been to Charleston a it, bunch of times. Um, yeah, Charleston's probably a little bit nicer. Nothing against Myrtle Beach if, if anybody's listening, but that's oh, but like the Myrtle the, Beach fans. The, the, that's like the are um, watching. That's like the capital. Of, we call that like the capital of West Virginia, because so many people for vacation, everybody yeah. would go to Myrtle Beach. Is that, so you would go down there and run into like five West Virginia families. Um, 
did you how long did you believe in Santa Claus? Oh, that was for that was that was for a minute as well. I forget when I when I stopped like believing in Santa. Had to be around the same time as this Peter Rabbit story ended for you, right? Where you're like questioning everything at that point. I mean, probably. I'll tell you what, too. My grandpa, my grandpa used to dress up as a rabbit for East for Easter. So maybe that's why I thought that talking rabbits were real because, like, I had seen it a couple times. I came in this Easter bunny suit. So I was like, "Fuck, oh, shoot!" Like that. Maybe that's what it looks like in the woods. <laughs> Yo, where did like your grandpa get that? All bunny walking around. Have you ever Have you ever seen um, Donnie Darko the movie? Yeah. Yes. Thank you, because nobody's seen that movie. Um, oh, that's a great movie, dude. Uh, what's his name? The actor. I'm like forgetting every Jake name I know. Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Don Darko is a weird movie, but that's what I think of when I think of like a grown man wearing a rabbit yep. outfit, like that weird rabbit. Yeah. Um, <clears> like. So, how long did your grandpa wear this rabbit outfit? Like, when did that end? Where did he get it from? I have so many questions. So I do too. Um, I know that he kept it, you know, kept it in the attic. I know that um, that's that's really all I know. I know that he would just like leave the house, walk down the road with it on, or like put it on, and then come up walking up the street and knock on the house. And I remember for a little while, I was like, I think it was me or maybe it was one of my sisters. There was one of us that was super scared of him for a while. Like he had kind of rattled us with that with that Donnie Darko looking outfit and we were just right not cool so. with him coming in. Yeah. Gotta be suspect of a grown rabbit, man. Um and probably that was when I was like, okay, is this real or is this G Dad? So uh so you guys celebrated Easter. Did you uh, were you raised religious, Christian? Yep, raised Catholic. Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um so did you go to a Catholic school or anything like that or like Catholic church? I think mass. Yeah, so I went to a middle school that was Catholic. So it was St. Francis Falcons at the time. And we had, you know, a church that was right next to it. Um, we would go on Thursdays to have mass. And then I went to a Christian high school. And it was a little bit along the same lines, except the services were like more non-denominational. It was more... You know, it was more, more, a little bit more preachy, a little bit more laid back um, than like a typical traditional Catholic mass. What, like, so at Catholic middle school and Christian, do you guys, is there a class where you read the Bible or is it just like behavioral? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, we definitely, we had, um, we called it religion class at St. Francis. But again, yeah, it was the same thing. Like we would work through not quite the Bible because, uh, we would like read scriptures. We read parts of it, but we had like a like a thick like religion book that you would like go through, and it would go through you know the life of Jesus and and all the different stories and and things like that. And then in high school, we actually had a Bible class, and that was very that was very comprehensive as far as like freshman year. This is what you learned. Sophomore year, we moved into these books. Uh, junior year and so it was a very and I had a really good Bible teacher too uh, Mr. Campbell but very informative 
for sure. That's interesting. I, I had a bunch of friends that have gone to like Catholic and Christian schools and I've never asked them about the curriculum, which is mm-hmm. surprised I've never asked. Like I didn't, I didn't go to any schools like that. You know what I mean? And obviously like I'm a Christian now and I have my own way of reading and studying and learning, but like, I'm like picturing like a multi multiple choice question. Like, did Jesus say this ABC, you know, like fill in the blank. Like, is that what it was like? Yeah, or is I mean, it like, you know, I'm trying to think more of what the, more of what the tests were or like what the curriculum was. I think like some of it, it was a little bit, I, I think some of it was multiple choice as far as just like making sure that you understood the story. But then I know that we did a lot of essays in high school, at least. That, more like, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Like talk about, you know, the impact or talk about what this meant um, and, or how this relates in, you know, in, in modern times. What kind of student were you in school? Were you a good student, bad student, funny kid, quiet kid? Oh man. I was, I probably tried to be funny. I don't think that I was funny. Um, Still, nothing's changed. No, I know. I say things now and it does not stick. I'm like, at least it made me laugh. Um, I I feel like I was a pretty good student. I mean, I was an A student, a straight A student. Um, college was a little bit rough. That transition was a little bit rough, especially my first year. I did not set myself up for success. I was like climbing out of the hole from my first semester but we managed we did we did all right what's the most trouble you've ever been in like ever childhood youth college whatever not really i didn't really get in a lot of trouble um yeah nothing crazy wow pretty good pretty uh, good lucky you um yeah i mean okay so you've never been like grounded or anything like never did anything wrong um, I mean, I won't say that. I'm just not sure how much uh, that I want to get into on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. That's fine. Um, that's fine. Trying to push the envelope. That's okay. Well, people will just have to slide into your DMs if they want to. If they want to, yeah, hear they can ask me if they want to hear. <clears throat> I want my business out there. Did you grow up with any heroes? Like, did you have a hero? Like, a, whether it's a fictional character or non-fictional character? Um, well, yeah. I mean, this is more of, like, a real and deep question. And it, it wasn't like I had, you know, He-Man on my wall or something. But I would say I definitely have two, like, role models that I look up to in my life. Um you know, one of them being somebody that I don't know, which is Kobe Bryant, but just his work ethic and his, you know, dedication to the sport, to his craft, to what he wanted to, to succeed at is one that I take with me, you know, even now, like kind of that mama mentality, like just um, wanting to put in an absurd amount of work and wanting to, you know, leave no stone unturned whenever I get to the end of my career um, and just learning that like, or, you know, just kind of taking that, like everything can be competitive or not everything can be competitive, but like just being able to have that kind of like, you know, killer mindset and, you know, attack training, attack your nutrition the same way that you would as training, attack your sleep the same way that you would as training, um, all that. So he was definitely a hero for sure. And then I think the cliche one just goes to my dad. Um, but he again is like the one person that I've looked up to as far as 
hard work and, and a tough work ethic, um, as well as like battling through some pretty tough adversity. So any time that I start to feel bad about my, not bad about myself, but any time I start to feel sorry for myself, you know, I, I kind of look at those two people and, you know, figure out what they would do and get after it. Love it. And my dad's a big fan of Kobe too. So what we've kind of, kind of got that taken care of. The motivational triangle. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, what is one of the toughest experiences that you've ever been through in life? And how did you overcome it? How'd you, how'd you deal with it? Oh, toughest experiences. So, yeah, not a ton of people. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, not, not a ton of people know this, and it's not because I don't like to share it or I'll get sad or something like that, but um, I'm sure that you know this about me too. Like, I just kind of keep a lot of myself kind of close to, close to the chest. Like, I play the cards pretty, pretty tight. But I will share. Um, whenever I was in high school, I was a junior. I went to leave and go to my buddy's house. And as I was on my way out, my parents stopped me and they were like, hey, we got to sit down and we have to talk. I was like, okay, am I in trouble? Because that's usually what that conversation or that what that prefix means. So I sit down and I'm like, what's up? And they're like, well, you know, your dad's had this cough for a long time. Like he's, he's had this like thing going on. We're not sure what it was. They didn't know if it was bronchitis or pneumonia or cold, whatever, but he's had it, for, he's had it for a couple months. And so we have done some different scans, some different screenings, and he's got a, a, a tumor uh, in his lung and it's cancerous. And, you know, essentially that night told me that my, like I said, the dad had stage two lung cancer, which at, you know, 15, 16 years old, it's a lot to handle. Um, and you don't really go through those things until you go through things. So I had no idea how to handle it and what to do from there. And I turned to some not great, not great vices um, to kind of get through all, all of the, you know, the pain of, seeing my dad go through that, the, you know, feeling of not being strong enough for my sisters or, you know, for my mom or not, you know, being able to step into that, like that man role, right? Like that, that head of the house type of deal where he couldn't do that. And there was need, there was somebody that needed to step up. Um, so for, for a long time, I didn't do that very well. Like I, I, like I said, I chose some of the wrong vices, but once I kind of got my head on straight, I started turning in, turning that into just a strong work ethic. So I used to go before school, like 5 a.m. into the gym with one of our, with my calculus teacher. And we would like set up the, I was playing basketball at the time. So we would like go up, hit the weights for like an hour, come downstairs, set up the rebounding gun, or he would rebound for me. And I would just get jump shots up for an hour. Um, and then do the same stuff after school. Like we had a little hoop and all that crap. So it was kind of twofolded in that, like I learned, you know, what not to do, how to, with how to deal with feelings. But at the same time, I learned what a strong work ethic could look like and what I was capable of doing as far as working hard. And yeah, I feel like I've, I've 
definitely brought that with me all the way until till now. Man, um, that's tough, right? Uh, but you learned how to sort of channel your adversity into your athleticism, right? Um, mm-hmm. And your athletic pursuits. And I think, but nobody's perfect, right? I think a lot of us can probably empathize with at first when we deal with adversity, we do some, we do some dumb stuff. And then mm-hmm. hopefully we get to a point where like, this isn't working. <laughs> like, this isn't actually what I want. What, what else should I do with this adversity? And it's like, let me deposit right. it into my goals. Let me use it to wake me up early in the morning. Um, <clears throat> and I see you, I see you do that with, with your training now and things pop up, which I admire. Um, how's your dad now? Like, where's he at with the, he's good. That's something that I should say at the start of the story, but he is fine. He is, I believe five years cancer-free, Love which it. is awesome. Yeah. So that's awesome. He's still kicking around. Still only has, he's got like one and a quarter lung. I like to make sure he remembers that I remember that, but he's got one and a quarter lung, but he's still kicking out, uh, but he's still doing really well, man. He's like, you know, he, he's been working out for a year and a half, which like before he would, so he was a, like a triathlete, like he was run, swim, bike every single day, like miles and miles. Like he would come back and be like, oh yeah, I ran a 10 miler today. Oh yeah, I biked 30 miles. Like, oh yeah, I swim this long all the time. Um, and recently he's like, he's not able to get back into the swimming, um, just with some of like the scar stuff, but um, he's been doing a lot of running and a lot of biking. And then he's been hitting the weights as well. So he's kicking butt for what he's been through, um, which again is just kind of like a, you know, it like that's really motivated me because anytime I start to feel, again, I start to feel sorry. I'm like, you didn't have, you, you have never experienced what it's like to get this stuff taken away from you. So while you have it, enjoy every second of it, even the painful things, enjoy every second of it. Yeah. I love that for what it's worth. Even with your dad's one and a quarter long, he'd probably still beat me in a, in a, uh, monostructural style workout. That's where, I, that's where I get my lungs from. So, <laughs> um, but that doesn't say much, honestly. And you know that, but, uh, <laughs> um, so you played sports as a kid, you played basketball. Did you play other sports? Um, basketball, I ran a little bit. So I ran track and cross country like on and off throughout college or throughout high school and middle school. And I also played golf. Nice. And for, but, but Kiefer's better than you at golf. I heard what? Yeah. I will admit that without a doubt. He is Kiefer's a great golfer. <laughs> I'll give that. Um, one. I hope he's happy. People listening are like, who's Kiefer? I'm just kidding. Love you, Kiefer. <laughs> uh, uh, that's, that's, that's even worse. <laughs> they only know who I am because I'm the host of this show. But uh, yeah, so yeah. you're um, what's your, one of your proudest moments as a kid or as a young adult? <clears throat> mm. Well, I got I, I'm an Eagle Scout. I don't know that, that you mean, know this. I don't know that. What does that mean exactly? Like I didn't do the I didn't get to do all that that normal kid stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I went through Boy Scouts. Um, at first, it, you know, it was a little bit against my will. I was, my mom and grandpa wanted me to do it. Um, looking back, like I'm very, very thankful for it because, like, a you learn some really important things of like how to just stay alive. You learn some first aid. You learn some basic like survival skills, which is cool. 
Um, and then you get to go do really cool experiences. So one of those experiences was, for me, uh, they had built, th this is a crazy little full, full circle story, right? So I, I was a Boy Scout. Um, as I was going through it, you do these different like camps each year and some of them travel around or, or you know, you, you go to the same one that's local and then you can go to other ones that are, you know, statewide or, or nation nationwide or even bigger than that. So what was cool was it within my state, they started to build this like 150 acre camp, right? So there's like, there's a campground, there's, there's a stage for concerts. There was uh, dirt biking trails, there was zip lining, there was scuba diving, there was, um, you know, archery and uh, skeet shooting and like all these different activities that you can go do. And like I said, that was within our state. So I got to go down and do that. And then fast forward like two years later, or it was a couple years later, I was done with, I was done doing that, uh, like the Boy Scout stuff. I go back for a CrossFit competition and it's at the same camp site that I was at like two years prior or three That's years cool. prior. And I like remember seeing the same things and like, I was like, oh yeah, we would walk through there. Like we'd take that little cut and, you know, go up to our camp, whatever. But that's actually how I met Justin. That was the first competition that I was introduced to Justin. Um, and then from there, we went to London and then we went to, you know, did the story writes itself from there. But yeah, that's where I first met Justin. Um, and I know that that was a little bit off track of your, of what your audience was. But. And yeah, for the audience who, who doesn't know, Justin is Justin Kotler, the coach and owner of Underdogs Athletics, who uh, runs the camp here in las vegas where matt trains <clears throat> um everyone's like duh of course we know that uh, we know that <laughs> what um who's your favorite crossfit athlete and why like someone you looked up to before you kind of started getting into the scene someone maybe you still look up to yeah well i mean i gotta go with brent Fikowski, I think that he's just always going to kind of be like a the shining light. Like he's kind of the leader of this like tall big men movement. Um, yeah, he's and obviously his work ethic and all the things that he's overcome in, in his years are very very inspiring. I'm a big fan of Travis Mayer as well. Um, there's a lot. This is a tough question. Why you got to ask this question? I'm a big fan of Travis. You named Dude, two I, people. I was literally just getting to him. That was my <laughs> next one. Um, well, and they're all for different reasons, right? Like Brent is definitely the leader as far as like, hey, this is the this is the mold that you have to fit in or that you kind of have to get yourself to in order to be successful. So it's like, okay, if I am, you know, if I look at Brent Fakowski and I can, you know, do this the same, this the same, but I got to work on these two things, like that's perfect because that gives me, you know, a pretty direct um line of action um travis mayer is just like he's just a savage like i love his he's just like he he's that gardener you know in uh or he's that that warrior in a garden right like he is just like the most laid back like most gentle man when you're talking to him like father of four very very nice we had great conversations throughout the weekend but whenever he's time whenever it's time to turn it on like he is turns into a freaking animal like turns into a savage it's crazy and awesome to see. Like it's it's amazing. Um, 
Noah is also definitely one of my favorites just because he's like, I love the positivity that he spreads and just how, you know, authentic and genuine his love is and how it just kind of like pours out. And obviously as a man um, or as an athlete, for sure, that's what you want to get to. But like as a man, you know, trying to do this sport and also spread something bigger than the sport, he is kind of like the key guy to look at, uh, in my opinion. So love that. Yeah. Great explanations. Top three. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite CrossFit workout? Do you have like a favorite? Oh man. I mean, um, well, I'll tell you this. I, if I, if Rob makes me get on a rower or do wall balls one more time, I'm, I'm going to quit. Rowing and wall balls is my least favorite. I would say my favorite workout <laughs> would probably be cow soup with thrusters and burpees. That's like, if you could add in strict handstand push-ups to like the end of that, like a buyout. There you go. Perfect. A um, little bit of sarcasm for you guys. Um, what What's your favorite competition you've done so far? I know the answer to this, but. Oh, what's your answer? Wadapalooza for sure. Mm. Wadapalooza was a lot of fun. I will tell you that. But the Granite Games was, is probably. Oh, wait, but you asked what's my favorite. Or what's or yeah. no, you asked which one was the most fun. Yeah, I think one which or the other. I actually don't um hold on. Let me see. I might have notes. Um what's your I don't know. I actually don't have it written down. I came that was out of my that was out of off my off the cuff. What's your favorite one? Granite, for sure. Okay. And why is um, that? Just because that was that was the it was a great summation of all of the things I've been working on this past year, mainly mental, um, you know, not getting rattled by missing a lift, not getting rattled by the pull up bar fiasco, not getting, you know, rattled by anybody else's game plans throughout the weekend, which at West Coast Classic, if you would have told me it was like all over the board, right? Whereas this was rather consistent. Um, and so I, I was just very happy with like the execution throughout the weekend, but then it, at the same time, you know, I think every athlete kind of needs that little fire under their butt, right? Whether it's Matt finishing second at the games and then being like, oh, I never want to finish, finish second again. Or if it's, you know, a guy like Brent Fikowski missing out for, you know, a couple of years by one spot. Um, everybody has to have that kind of, you know, fire lit underneath, excuse me, underneath of them. And I feel like that's what Granite was. It was like, hey, everything you're doing is, is you know, working, but keep working keep doing yeah. it love that love yeah. the mindset maddie um <clears throat> i know you don't want to touch on this too much but i'm interested especially for the audience to kind of gain a better understanding the pull-up bar fiasco can you explain physically what that was like and i'm not like trying to get you to sound like you're making any type of excuse but i just want to like because most people know most people have no clue what it's like to be six four hanging from a pull-up bar where your where your toes may be touching so what was that like physically yeah. Like, what did you have to change in order to do those chest support? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, I, I take my hands out a little bit wider than I, I would like to. Um, for me, whenever it comes to chest bars, there's like a certain um, angle that I like to send my elbows back at um, and that I like to like pull into the bar with, which is all just based. It's more based on feel, but there's a pretty standard area for my hands to be for that. So for this, I'm ending it. I'm ending up going a lot wider than I like to be. 
Um, and then basically from the start, you're just kind of like tucking your, you're, you're tucking at the knee to pick your foot up. And then you're like, never, you never get to straighten it. So it's just basically like your knees are kind of the end point of your kip, right? So like typically how you like to see like the feet, knees and toes all moving together through the movement. For me, it's going to be broken. And so now my feet are going to be bent up and now it's just my knees and my hips trying to get a lot of uh, power and force, which you can try it at home and it's not going to be very successful. Like you're going to end up doing a lot more with the upper body and just like getting thrown off. And it's just a little bit more jarring, like on your, on your arms, because you're not quite like able to get back and then through. And so, yeah, there, there's a lot with technique that goes out the window whenever you're trying to make that happen. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I've like warmed up pull-ups, chest-to-bar, toe-to-bar on a low, low-hanging bar where your, where your toes touch. And it's like, oh, this is, this is weird. Um, so yeah. I know what you mean. And it would like, be one thing if it was like on my tippy toes and I could still touch. Cause like, I know that I'm tall. Right. But that was a little bit, that was a little bit too short. Like I think a lot of guys in the field and like, obviously if you look at the field at Granite Games, there were a lot of bigger guys, um, especially height wise, like a lot of guys in that six foot range. And I guarantee you that if they wanted to, they could reach up and, and grab the bar as well. So, yeah. Um, a couple last, uh, I don't know, rapid fire style questions. Um, if you could put anything up on a big blank billboard for like in over the busiest intersection that, you know, what would it say? Be nice or love yourself. Like the whole thing or one or the other? One or the other. Depending People on are driving and they're like, be nice or love yourself. And like, I have to choose. Um, I think, I think by loving yourself, you would be nice. So maybe we'll go with that. Hey, that's deep. We'll let that sit for a second. What did you that's say? If you, if you love yourself, you'll be nice. Wow. Um, if, uh, are you a reader, Matt? Do you read? I am. I'm what working, are you? I'm getting better at it. I don't have as big of a shelf as you, but I'm getting better at it. That's okay. Um, I don't think I'm just one of those people that loves to read. I know that I'm I'm lucky in that way. Um, but uh, what do you? What's your What's your favorite book or one of your favorite? Books? One of my favorite books, How a Champ or How Champions Think by Bob Rotella. That was a book that I was recommended by Justin and I read it for the first time whenever I was in Norway, um, heading out to a competition out there. And then I read it multiple times since then. Um, and it's a golf book. So, or he's a golf coach. So he's worked with a lot of golfers, which, you know, inherently CrossFit's kind of going to be the same as golf whenever it comes to like, you're, you, you are an individual, you are competing against others, but at the same time, it doesn't matter like how another person does. It matters how you do. You can't control what they shoot, but um, yeah, a lot of really good principles in there and, and I can relate to it. So love it. Uh, what's your favorite cereal? Cinnamon toast crunch. Mm. Summer or winter? Summer. <laughs> uh, these 110 degree summers in Vegas. Well, yeah, maybe not summer here, maybe winter here, which is still like 70. Yeah, it's summer anywhere else. 
Um, if you, if you weren't pursuing a career in CrossFit, what would you be doing? Trying to be the best at whatever else I was doing, whether it was being an engineer, being a physical therapist, being a coach, I would just try to be as good as I can be at it. If you could do any like CrossFit competition, like one of the famous ones, whether it's Oh, or Dubai or any of those, which one would you look, which one, which one would you want to do the most? Dubai. That's the big one. I want to take my mom to Dubai. I think that she would love it. Um, and so we're going to try to, we're going to try to do some things in the next couple of years and make that happen. But, awesome. Love. It. Yeah. Um, so if anybody from, from the Dubai CrossFit championship is listening, how much of success in CrossFit, like in the, in the sport of CrossFit, whether it's for you or for others, would you say is related? Like if you were going to draw a pie graph and designate a certain percentage to hard work and designate a certain percentage to uh, genetics, what would you give it? Mm, that's tough because obviously you have people at the top that are very, you know, th there's definitely an inherent gift that they've been given, right? Like, he has got a gift. Matt's got a gift. Like, you know, we we see athletes, we see athletes day to day that have just like something inherent um, that's gifted to them. But I don't think that that, I don't think that that ever like, I can still get my full slice of the pie by working hard like i'm never gonna not be able i don't think i'll ever not be able to not achieve something that somebody else can if i don't if i'm putting all of my work towards it so i would say pretty close to 100 percent um you dream but like i mean dude this is just me and you talking well obviously we're recording but like look <laughs> at me right like i'm six foot four i weigh 220 pounds i smack my feet at the bottom of the pull-up bar and yet i'm doing something that a lot of people dream of you know and and that a lot of people work work for um you know and, and i'm i'm i was i was pretty close this year to you know getting something that i've wanted for a long long time so for me again like this is what we were saying earlier i don't ever think about the issues that come with my genetic build or my you know biomechanical setup like if i start thinking about that stuff then i'm I'm, I'm going to put cap on myself. So yeah, I don't think that that should ever come into your, into your pie. Like you just put, eat that hard work and, and dreams will come true. Love it. Inspirational speaker, Matt DeLugos. Um, beach or mountains? Oh, I gotta say beach. All right. What's your favorite cartoon show from a kid or even now? Well, this reminded me whenever I was in Minneapolis, but have you ever seen the show Bear in the Big Blue House? Yeah, like a long time ago, obviously. Yeah, so that show, I loved watching that show as a kid. And one of uh, my training partner, Alex, one of her friends at the gym had this big dog. His name was Todd, which... I love human names for animals, but his name was Todd and he looked exactly like the, the uh, bear from Big, Bear in the Big Blue House. So that was a favorite growing up for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
What's your favorite now? Interesting question. You still What's my watch favorite animated show now? Oh, I do still sure. watch cartoons. Um, well, yeah, you know that I'm on my anime uh, kick, and Samurai Champloo is my favorite one recently. If people want to go watch that, it is a very good <laughs> anime. It's only a season long. Very good it's on Hulu. Love it. Um, if you could have the choice between talking to um, all animals in the world or knowing all human languages, which would you choose? Um, knowing, uh, knowing all human languages. Because what if Danner is thinking something that like going to make me upset, you know? If he's like, Dad, I want you to stop petting me right now. I'm like, damn, <laughs> I didn't want to know that. I didn't think about that too. Callie would talk so much, bro. Like, and she'd probably be such diva. You know what I mean? So yeah, and you you know Danner. Danner's a little crackhead, so he would just be. I don't know. He'd be like the kid from the freaking. uh, You know that show? What the? Oh, you know that little kid? What show am I thinking of, Jared? Oh, come on. You didn't give me much, little kid. No, he's the little jabbery. The little jabbery kid. Um, like the oh man, I gotta look. At I don't know, Stuart Little. You know this. No. Um, give me more. <laughs> oh, what is it? Um, little Jabbery kid from the show, the Wild Thornberries, the little oh. dude from the Wild Thornberries. Uh, is it Elijah Thornberry? Uh, that I'm not sure. Donnie. Donnie Thornberry is the one that they're saying. is. <laughs> that would be Danner. That is Danner. He he would just be a little crack addict. <laughs> yes. Tell me that's not my dog. Dude, 100%. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Thank you, Stroka. Um, Matt, last question. Uh, how do you want people to remember you? Obviously, way later on in life. what we were talking about earlier uh as somebody who loved themselves and somebody who taught others to love themselves and then all the other good things that flow from that love it man thanks for being on the show man um uh loved getting to know you a little bit better even though i get to know you a little bit more every day and uh super excited for the audience to get to know you as well um can't wait to continue to watch you excel in this sport and as a human and we will wrap up the show again thanks to x endurance and wadproof for supporting the show thank you sroka for producing directing creating and thanks matt for being on anytime thank you